This interview in the entire Real Men Connect podcast is brought to you by Ministry Men of Influence, the first ever men's only Christian mastermind group for aspiring speakers, writers, podcasters, coaches, and course creators. So if you're looking to turn your God-given passion into a full-time profession, but you need help and don't know where to start, just go to mensministry.org for details. That's ministrymen, M-E-N dot O-R-G. Hey, Mighty Warrior, you know the great John Wesley once said that if you give him 300 men who fear nothing but God, hate nothing but sin, and are determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, he said he would set the world on fire. Do you know that one quote changed my life? Because after hearing it, God immediately gave me a vision to build a team of 300 men who would change the world for Christ. But I didn't realize it at the time that a man is the hardest thing to reach. And if you don't believe me, just ask any pastor or men's ministry leader or even a wife. <laughs> Now, due to the success of our Real Men Connect podcast, we've managed to reach and teach men all over the world in 43 countries and still counting. But John Wesley knew when he spoke those famous words, just like Jesus did, that there's a huge difference between attracting a passive crowd of men and recruiting a committed team of men. So we decided to launch the Real Men 300. The Real Men 300 is an opportunity for you to join an exclusive team of men who've agreed to financially partner with Real Men Connect to be personally mentored, supported, and coached so they can be professionally trained and equipped to mentor, support, and disciple the next generation of men for Christ. So we want to personally help you grow in Christ while you're supporting us in ministry. We're a nonprofit organization and we rely heavily on your financial support. So we're asking you to consider partnering with us by giving at least $30 a month, that's only a dollar a day, to help us help you be the man God called and created you to be. To give or to find out more, just go to realmen300.com. That's realmen300.com and join the 300 today. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. And each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Rick Mills, and Rick is the International Director of the Fuel Youth Ministry Specialist, and he is known as the architect of student-led youth ministry. And Rick has trained more than 14,000 senior pastors and youth pastors, giving them the blueprints and direction to allow teenagers to lead their youth ministries and communities. Now, as a former youth pastor himself and learning that more than 75% of young people raised in the church would eventually leave the church after high school, Rick sought God for a more fruitful way to reach this generation. So Rick travels extensively throughout the United States, Canada, Russia, and South America, speaking to thousands of teens and church leaders, empowering them to raise up young leaders. And he has authored four books, including The Big Turnover and The Revolutionary Plan of Student-Led Youth Ministry. And Rick has previously worked for Dr. James Dobson's organization with Focus on the Family, serving as creative director with their monthly teen publications and assisting with their youth culture department. And Rick has also traveled um, with Ron Luce, 
who's speaking to youth and church leaders at their Acquire the Fire Youth Conferences. And he's a husband, father of five, and check this out, guys, a grandfather to seven. <laughs> and I've known about Rick and his work for almost a couple of decades now through a mutual friend of ours, but we've never had the pleasure of meeting each other personally until today. So this is the first time. And I and it took the daughter of our mutual friend to finally make it happen. So Lauren, if you're out there listening, thank you, girl. I appreciate it. So I'm so excited to have Rick on the podcast today to talk to him about how to make our faith stick when it comes to our children. So please join me in welcoming my guest, Rick Mills, to the Real Men Connect podcast. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hey, Joe. It's good to be with you guys today. Hey, man, it's better late than never, too, because it's been over 20 years in the making for us to connect with each other, man. A long time. But God's timing is perfect, for it's sure. It's got to be perfect, because, man, and to find out that you're only like an hour and a half away from Chattanooga, Tennessee, because you're in um, Knoxville, is that correct? Uh, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're almost neighbors. Oh, unbelievable. So I'm going on air and making it public and putting it on notice that we will be connecting really soon and hopefully awesome. very soon in the year 2019. So we're going to make that happen, Rick. Let's do it. Now, Rick, I, I mentioned um, as we brought you on the show today that we're going to talk about how to make our faith stick when it comes to our children. But before we get started, Rick, what we normally do with guests when they come on the show, we ask them to give us their favorite Bible verse that gives them inspiration from the Word of God. And in this season in your life, Rick, what has been your anchor verse? In wow. The well, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to kind of nail nail something down, but because there's several, but the verse I've been really been um, really really focusing on for the last few months is in John chapter 15. It's where the Lord says, I no longer no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. You know, we are a friend of God. We're a friend of Jesus Christ. Even though we're serving him, that he's called us to that he's called us to serve him, but he considers us friends. And he considers us to be the friend to be obedient to really walk out what he's called us to do. And I love that. I love that verse. Yeah, I love that one too. That is great. You know, Rick, I mentioned earlier um, that um, I heard about you through our mutual friend Ann and and Lauren was able to connect us. And I can't remember the last time I was this excited about talking to a guest. <laughs> One, because of how long and how bad Ann wanted us to connect. But more importantly, right. because of your reputation of being one of the country's leading experts when it comes to youth ministry. And even though we won't focus on how to build a successful youth ministry per se, I do want to talk to you today about how to raise a youth who will develop a love for Christ in ministry. And so I want you to kind of give us a backdrop of what, the backstory, because you've been working with youth um, for, I guess, what's been over 20-something years now. Is that correct? That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so tell yeah. us, where did this, did this love for youth ministry come from? Where did it start? Tell us your story, man. Sure. Yeah, I, I accepted Christ when I, right, right just a couple of weeks after I turned 21 years old, and uh, I wasn't raised in church, but just had some issues going on in my life where I just knew I needed something to help me to kind of get through life. I was dealing with some struggles, and and uh, I just knew that I needed something else bigger than me because I had tried and tried to kind of work through some, some different problems, and I started going to church all on my own. And uh, when I uh, went to church, I, w I was at church. I went to a Baptist church in Hamilton, Ohio, and where um, where I was uh, raised. And uh, when I went to church there, when the third time I went, I said, "Man, this is for me. I've got to accept Jesus Christ." And when I did, man, my the Lord just really helped me do a one eighty, and it was pretty. It was pretty instant. 
So about two weeks after attending church, that youth pastor did what I've done a lot of times in church. I always say, when you, when you need to find somebody to help you in youth ministry, the main thing you do is you check their pulse. If they're living, you're like, hey, I'll take you. <laughs> kind of desperate. So, but I thought, you know what? If I can help some teenagers work through some things, that some mistakes, or help them to get through some areas of, of their life and not make the same mistakes that I did, I thought, maybe God would use me in this. And I've been doing this ever since. It's been more than 25 years, and I, I love it. Wow. Wow. You know, and so you're you're just a new believer at the time. Right. And that's uh, right. Your ears are still wet. <laughs> right. Right. And so you're leading this as far as. So what did you draw on to be able to do it? How did you do that? You know, I really and I think all of ministry comes down to one thing, especially working with teenagers and even you know parents to their kids. It all comes down to one word and it's relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I did was I just, I found teenagers that I felt like I could build some relationships with and to be real with them. And then they were real with me. The same thing I did when I was raising my own kids is I just tried to be as real with them as I could and uh, let them ask me some tough questions and I would give them some tough answers. And, and, uh, you know, we, we went through life together. Just, you know, it was all built upon our, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. You know, Rick, we've heard um, the numbers, and I even mentioned it in the introduction, how the majority of our young people, three out of four, and sometimes I've heard these even up high as 90% in some places, are walking away from the church after they graduate from high school. But before we dive into what um, we can do as dads to reverse this trend, from your personal experience now that you have a lot of years behind you, what do you think is the number one cause of this exodus <laughs> from the church by the young people? And why do you think that's the case? Wow. I saw a st- statistic uh, about six years ago that they they were polling some kids that were in t- teenagers that were attended church. And they said that 68 percent of them said they felt like church was boring. Uh, we did a poll with about 2000 teenagers uh, about five years ago. And we asked them, what is the number one message you hear from at your weekly youth services or from your youth pastor, youth leader? The number one message was invite your friends. And the second most heard was get this stop sinning. Wow. And I, wow, those, th- those things would not get me Good to go gracious. to church. All I do could invite somebody, but then to get the sin out of my life. So, so young people are, they, you know, we say that, you know, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus said this. He said, he didn't just tell the disciples, he said, come follow me and stop there. He said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Mm-hmm. Really what Jesus was saying to his disciples is they, he was he was meeting them while they were fishing on the side of the road. And he said, come follow me and I'll give you purpose. Mm-hmm. And really when it comes down to it, Joe, I believe that the church at large, we're not giving our teenagers a purpose in God, a purpose in the church. And because of that, they're looking for other things. Um, you know, it's like we talked about a little bit before the, the podcast started today you know so many of us as uh, 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 we I see parents and all the time for many many years we have the and as youth pastors and church leaders we have this battle of wow why is Jason gonna go to soccer practice and play soccer and not come to youth group mm-hmm. oh sorry Melissa's has her her dance recital she's practicing she won't be at youth group she won't be at church for a while and that's because a coach in high school, middle school, a dance instructor, uh, uh, somebody that's that's playing a musical instrument, their coach, they are discipling them, they're mentoring them, they believe in them, they're discipling them, and they're giving them purpose, which is what the church, I believe, is really lacking. 
Wow. I, I tell you, Rick, I, I'm glad that you said that. That is so powerful. And that not only benefits um, youth ministry leaders, but us as parents. Um, because when I was in teaching at the college level, the number one question I would get from young people other than, is that going to be on the test? <laughs> you know, whenever we do a lecture. But outside of class, the number one question I would get is, Basically, they wouldn't ask it this way, Rick. They wouldn't say, what is my purpose? They wanted, what should I major in? Mm. You know, because they're basically saying, what should I be doing with my life? And, you know, the average college student changes majors about, I think they say about four and a half times. I changed my major twice. And but they're looking for a sense of purpose. And what you're saying is that you think, based on your experience, that we're not giving them a sense of purpose and that's making them, quote, purposeless and aimless and just just wandering. And they're going to something that does give them purpose. In fact, that you mentioned about the coach thing, I think is powerful for us to um, recognize is that one of the things um, um, I try to, uh, to help parents understand that sometimes you have to be a parent, but sometimes you have to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And a coach is not just telling their kids not to sin. <laughs> you know, the coach is helping them get direction, helping them find their um, their purpose and pursue goals. So that that is a powerful thing that you just shared with us, Rick. And I'm glad that you shared that. Now, Rick, um, I often hear young people say that they don't see a difference between um, so-called Christians who go to church and the ones who don't go to church other than church attendance. But when it comes to our youth, is there a difference between the kids who stay connected to the church community and those who walk away from it? And if so, based on the data that you've seen, what are those differences? Well, I can tell you that um, several years ago when our ministry was really cranking up and we were working with different churches across the United States and they were doing what we call student-led youth ministry 710. And we added the 710 portion to this because over the years I met a lot of people, a lot of senior pastors and youth pastors saying, oh yeah, student-led youth ministry, yeah, we have a kid that helps, we have kids that help take the offering. We've got some kids that we've allowed to be on the worship team. This young guy, he's 15, he plays bass. You know, we've got kids work with the elementary school, you know, teenagers that work with the elementary school kids. But we, we're talking about taking this about a hundred levels deeper than that when we talk about student and youth ministry 710. And here's what I mean by that is our goal is to have teenagers to everything that has to be done in the in the youth, in their weekly youth service, um, that seven, seven out of 10 uh, things that they would be doing in the youth service would be would be handled by the teenagers. So you train them and you equip them on how to take an offering, how to pray for people, how to lead someone to Christ, how to preach a good sermon, how to serve. And then the so seven out of out of every ten aspects of what happens in your weekly youth service is is performed by teenagers as they're trained and equipped. You don't want to just throw them into it. And then the other part of the seven at uh, seven. The 710 is that we have a goal for for youth groups that a minimum of seven out of every teenagers that come to your youth group that they would be discipled. And so when that has happened, we followed about 1,100 people into their college and career age that went to a ministry that was student-led. And check this out, Joe. We've, we asked them, how many of you are still attending church? 96% were still attending church. Wow, how many of you— how many of you are still serving at a local church or a campus ministry? It was 89%. Oh, my and goodness. then and then we asked them on the survey, and if anybody wants, we could we could email the survey to them, and they could see the, the results of it. It's about eight pages. I'm mm-hmm. just giving you the nuts and bolts here. But then we asked them, how many of you have become sexually active in, in, that aren't married? And we could, we got down to basics on that. We we included um, uh, inappropriate touching, you know, sexual intercourse, mm-hmm. uh, inter, uh, or oral oral sex, mm-hmm. and less than six percent what had become sexually active. 
Are you serious? Serious. And the reason why I believe this has happened is because when our young people become intimate with Jesus Christ when they're younger and they're depending on him because they're working, they're already working and serving in ministry, when it comes to that crossroads of, am I going to follow the world or am I going to follow continue to follow Jesus, they've already recognized the giftings and callings in them, which makes that choice easier. Why would I go follow the, the world when I can do what the Lord has called? me to do, I've already been experiencing his presence and the satisfaction and the excitement of doing ministry and serving him. I don't, so I'm not going to serve the world. Yeah. Now, but let me ask you this, because that to me, those are phenomenal. <laughs> That's phenomenal data, man. That is amazing to me. You know, but unless we're a pastor or a church ministry leader, we typically can't control what the church is doing or doesn't do or teacher doesn't teach. But based on that that strategy, I love it about equipping them to be leaders. How does that apply in the home as a parent? What can we do to kind of mimic that and model that in our homes when it comes to getting them to grow up in their faith? Yeah, I, I, one of the things that I talk to church leaders and to and to adult leaders when I speak in church is the importance of discipling your kids. Mm-hmm. And and I know to some people out there listening today, you might think, "Wow, my my son's seventeen; he's kind of distant from me. He's seen me make a lot of mistakes. Right. I just." and cussed at him last week and then we all go to church together man you got to be real you have to be real with your young people you have to be real with your kids i remember sitting down so many times with my kids when some i wouldn't do something right or i would maybe lose my temper or, or something like that and i would sit down with them and i would ask them i would apologize and tell them what i did and i would say would you forgive me for this and i would keep loving them and i wouldn't i was not afraid to admit my mistakes but once again, like I'll go back to the word we talked about earlier. It comes down to relationship. Mm-hmm. And I can't encourage men out there enough to to take the time and to build a relationship with your with the with your kids that you're raising because you're the most important disciple your discipling responsibility you ever have really is, is your own kids and um, and by spending time with them find out what they what they do what they like to do and and do that with them and help them become better at it but spending time with them and being real with them is really key you know and you mentioned a, a key component with when working with um, the youth uh, ministry leaders is equipping them to be leaders. Um, how can we do that as parents, as fathers in the home of um, creating leaders as opposed to people who just do what we tell kids who just do what we tell them to do? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I would that I would recommend that 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 dads do out there is uh, especially for those dads out there that there's several men I go to church with that um, that are divorced and they have their kids part of the time. And and, uh, you know, I would if, as a dad, I would sit down if you have to and repent to your kids Mm -hmm. and say, you know, I know I haven't done this well. And sure, your kids may not really believe you at first. Maybe you've repented before, but do it again and be real and be consistent and and then help them to discover the callings that are in their life. And you do that by really by reading the Bible together, by praying together. And uh, one of the things that I always did with, with my daughters when I was raising them, and I do this with a lot of young men, I still do this to this day when I'm um, I've got some nephews that they're they're coming from a broken home they're coming from a large family and we go to movies we hang out we go to eat we go bowling we horse around we we have a blast but one of the things that I do with them Joe when I'm hanging out with them they might be getting ready to go to bed or whatever and they're teenagers and I'll say hey 
Dakota, come here for a minute. And I'll stand him in front of me. I said, I want you to look me in the eye. And I'll say, you know what? You have such a heart for God. And I see this heart for God coming out in you because I see you, how much you love people. Mm -hmm. You genuinely care and love people. And I just start to speak blessings over them. And I have them look me in the eye. And I just exhort them. And I tell them the gifts that I see in them. You know, we've we've lost that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've lost that in the church where, where we really exhort one another. And you can, man, you're a good friend. This is great. And you hang out. But how powerful for a, for a father to stand in front of his daughter and look her in the eye and say, you know what? You're not just beautiful on the outside, but I see. And then you start to name the gifts and talents inside of them. And it that's a great way to start really discipling your kids. Rick, that is, man, that is awesome. Because first of all, any of, any of us could do that. That's doable. Mm -hmm. And But you're saying to be specific in affirming them and speaking blessings over them. And acknowledging their gifts because you're not actually telling them what to do. You're going to be an architect <laughs> or you're right. going to be an engineer. But you, but being around them, if you are paying attention and being intentional about noticing them, you can see the gifts and their talents. I mean, I can go through each one of my children and tell you exactly what I know that they're great at and right. what, what, what they bring to the world and how God can use that for the kingdom. But mm -hmm. if I don't acknowledge that and affirm that in them, um, how will they ever know? They'll have to, quote, figure it out on their own. But they're going to be more inclined to listen to us as parents before they get it out there in the world. So why not speak it into them quickly? Now, so now we're switching back over to the church again. So when you guys are working with the youth in the church, um, is that something that you're training um, youth leaders to do and how to do that? We do train them with that. And when we talk about d discipling them, because we believe that and just like that, really what the church at large should be doing with adults and with, with students is we need to be equipping and training, but we also need to be discipling as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time that they have different, you know, how many of you are discipling your teenagers, for instance, if I ask parents or if I ask a youth pastor or people that work with youth and they, they really don't even understand exactly what discipleship is. And I tell them, I said, you know what, look how Jesus, what Jesus did with his disciples. They're walking from point A to point B and they see a fig tree. And what does he do? He makes a lesson out of it. Mm -hmm. They're going they're going from one place of the lake to the other. And then Jesus is moved with compassion and he gets them involved and they see what ministry is like. Really, discipleship is experiencing life together as Christ is the center. That's really what it comes down to mm -hmm. is, uh, is just experiencing life together. No, but Rick, what if your children, and we're talking about that kid who, because we know we love our kids, we want to see them um, grow up in the faith and stay with the faith. But what if, you know, they get to a point because maybe there's some, uh, the relationship wasn't that great early on, and there's, now there's some resentment and bitterness um, that teenager towards the parent. Um, for, so if, is there, if there's a dad out there where he's getting resistance from his daughter or his, his son about being discipled, how can he, because he can't just jump in there and you know, try to disciple him, how can he repair the breach and be able to kind of lay the foundation so he can get to a point that he can now start equipping, training, and discipling his children? I would first just really encourage the dad out there to really seek God. I mean, it may take a few weeks, but really seek God, praying for your child. 
and asking him for wisdom on what should you do. It may be that, you know, if you're like my family, we loved going camping. Maybe that you go camping and you put the phones away. You kind of put in, you know, and you're, some teenagers may have a problem with that. Go somewhere where you just don't have good reception. That'll take care of it. But go somewhere where, you you know, maybe, you know, you could go to a city and, and do something fun for the weekend and stay at a hotel for a night or so. Or, um, or even just going out and, get, you know, getting a burger or something like that. But spending time with them, praying and seeking and asking God for his wisdom and praying for them that their heart would be ready mm-hmm. is best. But really, it comes down to, I heard Josh McDowell say a long time ago that our kids don't spell love, L-O-V-E, they spell it T-I-M-E. Right, right. And, uh, and, I, and I really believe that. But just to, to sit down with them and... and and uh, like I said, it may take that you repent. It may take that you just become real. It may be that you just start doing some things that are fun and just to restore that relationship. You know, and Rick, um, we, we tend to when we talk about youth, we tend to focus on teenagers. And I, I told you even before we came on the air, I, I never heard anyone be a proponent of teaching our young people how to go out and make disciples, not just be discipled. Um, you mentioned earlier back, um, I forgot the, the Bible verse, but we all remember when Jesus said, well, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. How mm-hmm. ironic that some of the first words that Jesus spoke to these men was to go make disciples. And then his last words when he before he ascended into heaven was to go make disciples of That's all right. the nations. So it's like bookends. He came you know, to say, hey, I'm offering this relationship with me and freedom. But his mandate was to, I'm going to teach you how to make disciples. And then he says, don't forget, make disciples. <laughs> so, but my question is this, we tend to focus on teenagers. So we can't overlook the younger kids who are maybe the tweens in the middle school years or even elementary school years. Is there a strategy we can do to start the disciple making process for them? Is it important to reach them at that young age? You know, one of the things that my wife and I did uh, when our kids were younger is we sat down and we talked about what is the, the what's the vision of our family? What's our purpose? What's the purpose of our family? And we sat down with our kids and we mapped out what's what's our vision for, for our family? And then we mapped out, and I do this with a lot of churches and, and church leaders and youth groups as well for their church or their ministry. But then we talked about what's our mission, and that is what's the journey? What's the three or four steps we're going to take that we can fulfill this vision for our family? If you have the opportunity to do that, to do that with as parents, to sit down with your kids and to talk about where are you going as a family and start to map things out for yourselves, mm-hmm. that's great. And then, you know, um, I remember my kids started asking me, they were probably third and fourth grade, Dad, have you ever read the whole Bible? Dad, what's in the whole Bible? You know, because we, re- we would read Bible, the, you know, the Bible with them and we would pray with them and things like that. And they were in church. But I said, "Are you? do you guys want to read the whole Bible? So I got to um, uh, read through the Bible, Bible. And my daughters and I, we actually sat down every night and we read through the Bible together. Of course, I had to skip some beheadings and something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Don't want to traumatize them. <laughs> right. But we read through the Bible together. And so, you know, we 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 invited them in. Once again, when when we communicate with our kids, we want them to feel valued by us. Obviously, there's times that we have to, you know, punish them and, you know, and 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 correct them and all that, but we still want them to feel valued. But when our kids feel valued by us, we want them to know that they have a purpose in our family, they have a purpose in God. And so when we're pouring into them and we all are on the same page of where we're going, you know, my wife and I would sit down and talk about, hey, you know, um, 
one of my daughters, maybe they're starting to go and they want to spend the night with people and that kind of stuff. And, you know, with friends from church or go to slumber parties, we, we, we were always trying to communicate and map out, okay, what's our plan? What's our strategy for this? And I know it gets hard. There's times where I was a volunteer youth pastor and I worked a full-time job and then I had a business I did on the side. I was super busy. Mm-hmm. So I know that we all can get really busy, but Anyway, I think us us being real with our kids, mapping out where we're where we're going, and start pouring into them. Um, and I know we hear this a lot, Joe. That um, that that men should do this, but I'll tell you, one of the things I did was I did take my daughters on dates. Yeah. And they still, my daughters are in their early thirties now, and they still talk about dad. Remember on Saturdays, and you took turns, and we went to breakfast, and you know we lived out in the country in Colorado. So hope the police aren't listening. But my daughter. <laughs> 13 or 14 years old and I taught him to drive. So we were out on these old dirt country roads and mm-hmm. I taught my kids how to drive. They, my kids could drive a stick shift when they were like 15, but we did fun things together and I spent time with them and they, they felt valued by me. Wow. Rick, I tell you, I, I love it because I'm on board with everything you're saying about taking your daughter out on, on dates, being intentional. Cause what you're saying is that you cannot do discipleship and disciple making without relationship. And Jesus gave us that example and showed us that. So obviously the sooner the better and have to be more intentional about it. But mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask you this though. What do you suggest to the fathers if our children or grandchildren who are now older have already walked away from the church? Cause we heard that crazy statistic about most of them do leave. How should we respond if they've already left? Well, once again, I know it sounds it sounds really simple, but but it's the truth is we really need to be in constant prayer for them mm-hmm. and really pray for them that the Lord would continue to work on their heart. You know, I pray a lot of times for uh, people I've discipled over the years and teenagers that I I pray that the things that they that they're out doing in the world would leave them with a bitter, uh, very unsatisfied taste in their mouth and, and in their soul, and to really begin praying praying for them. But once again, it goes back to, you know, I'll tell you this. There was a young man in Colorado I was discipling through um, middle school and through part of high school, and his father got into some trouble and um, committed some crimes and went to jail. Their family moved. and um, But I kept in touch with him through Facebook, and we would text every now and then. But he went off to college and kind of did the college drinking thing and was living with his girlfriend. And I went back to this area, and he heard I was coming to speak somewhere, and he asked if I could uh, if I could see him. And my, so my wife and I met him and, and for dinner. He said, I'd really like to bring my girlfriend with me. Now, he knew that I knew he was living with his girlfriend and that's not, that's not something I would really approve of. Mm -hmm. But you know what? He told me when we were at dinner, when we were leaving, he came in, he was so excited to see me. And he said, I know, you know, that we're shacking up. And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, but you know what? He said, but I knew that you would not reject me. And he said, and I knew you wouldn't judge me. And I knew you wouldn't say anything to me because you know what? You don't have to. And that just speaks volumes to us. That is that we don't really have to come in and, and, and preach and try to make correction, but really loving people where they're at. And loving our kids and grandkids that have, you know, maybe walked away from God or have have, have left the church for whatever reason is um, spending time with them, praying with them and just loving on them where they're at. Um, I've seen so many people, those prodigals come back. Oh, man, that is so that is so good, Rick. So good. You know, I, I want to know because you tell us what we could do and what we should be doing. But what do you wish? Because um, you you interact with a lot of kids like this one, that youth and a lot of other youth. But what do you wish we would stop doing 
as men and as fathers when it comes to dealing with our children? I think one of the the biggest um, problems that we have is we're not consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not consistent with how we spend time with them. We're not consistent in uh, how we speak to them and speak life into them. And, uh, you know, I don't have a stat in front of me, but we hear it all the time that families in the United States hardly, you know, hardly ever spend dinner to, dinner time together very much anymore when, you know, our, our kids become teenagers. And so we need to really be consistent. Um, and when we're not consistent and we fail, we need to confess it to our family mm-hmm. and we need to ask them to forgive us because because that's how we become that's how we become real with them and we know that you know our kids can see that we're not ultra spiritual or that we make mistakes and to be real and to uh, to come to them with humility I mean look what the word says that by that the Lord rejects the prideful but he promotes the humble mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and boy mm-hmm. when you can be humble in front of your children I think that's really good but the biggest thing I see that is that um, is that uh, I would love to see all of us as men including me that we need to be more consistent in how we treat our wife how we um, and how we how we are how we interact with our kids I guess as, as the saying goes that uh, the best example is the one you set. You know, instead of us lecturing, we need to lead. Um, I often tell parents that it's not just important for us to be good parents, but we will also be transparent with our kids. But Rick, and, and I, please don't be offended by this question I want to ask you. I mentioned earlier in the introduction at the beginning of the show that you have seven grandchildren. First of all, congratulations <laughs> on having seven grandchildren. And I bring that up because I'm quickly approaching grandfather age myself. And I can't wait, man. I'm excited about being coming a grandparent, but my kids are not old enough yet, but uh, it's going to happen, hopefully. But um, and I please take this in the right context that I'm putting it. But I want to know how you've been able to stay so engaged connected and relevant with today's youth at your age <laughs> and how we can do the same, man, because a lot, you usually get to a point where you think, okay, they're never listening to me again. But obviously you're still involved in the lives of youth and you're getting old. <laughs> how have you been able to do this, man? How can we copy and imitate that? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you something. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I had a, we had a passenger van. We had about 10 or 11 college age people with us. We had done some youth conferences up in, uh, up in uh, Western New York area. And I'll never forget. It was about two in the morning. We were driving through West Virginia, I think, and it was snowing, and everybody. It was like three in the morning, two or three in the morning, and my I was driving. My wife was in the passenger seat. Everybody else was in the back in sleeping bags. People were sleeping, and I looked over at my wife and I said, "One day, maybe we'll hang out with people our own age." And she reached. (laughs) She goes, "I sure hope not." Wow. So so we we are constantly with people that are. We do have friends that are on our are our own age and we do fellowship with them but we spend a lot of time with young people we spend a lot of time with young people at our church middle school and high school folks um and uh, i like to tell people that i'm maturing but i'll never uh, but i'll always be a little bit immature mm-hmm. and um and so um i think it's just my love and passion for them honestly joe there's times i i can drive down the street and i'll see a group of teenagers walking home from church and i just want to pull over and just talk to them ask them about life <laughs> see what their interests are because I, I just I just love young people but I will tell you this that that for 
for being older. And uh, my pastor asked me at my church to speak on parenting for a couple of weeks last year. And he said, you know, because his kid, his oldest child is 10. Mm-hmm. And he said, talk about teenagers and raising kids. And one of the things that I've learned the hard way that I wish someone would have told me a long time ago, Joe, and that is, and I'm sure with your kids being the age they are, you could agree with this. But one of the things I wish somebody would have told me was that, you know, when our, when our kids live in our house and they're under the age of 18 and they're still in high school, we parent on our terms. Mm-hmm. Everything's on our terms, and that's that's the way it should be. But when the teenager turns a certain age, they move out, they get a job, they get an apartment, they go to college. Now we parent on their terms. Wow. Yes, my, kids will, my kids will come to me and say, Dad, I was thinking about buying, investing, thinking about doing this or that. What do you think about this? And then they'll ask me. But then there were times where they would be discussing something and I would just give them my, my input and I could tell it wasn't welcomed. Not that they were angry or anything like that, but it's very interesting as our kids get older, we have to use that wisdom on when to really parent um, on their terms. And and sometimes, boy, sometimes you just have to be quiet and bite our tongue and it, it's difficult. But that's 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 the good advice as far as for getting older and, and being a parent and being a grandparent. But um, I'll always be hanging out with young people, I think, until I take my last breath. You know, Rick, that is such great advice, man. Um, I, I love that, that when they leave, that you have to parent on their terms. And I guess you have to communicate on their terms and you have to be able to respond <laughs> in a way on their terms. Um, I co-authored a book um, years ago uh, with two other authors and we had and we came up with the title of the book called um, Stop Parenting and Start Coaching. Um, because we say that there's always that age when you have to shift your role as a parent to say, I can no, I can no longer really parent the child. I must coach the child. And my son is now 22 at the um, time of this episode. But um, when we were out um, celebrating his 21st birthday, I told him, I said, Kendall, I said, you know what? The difference now between you now transitioning to manhood is that when you were a boy living under my roof, I gave you advice. I said, now that you have left and you're now on your own to be a man you must ask for because i realize now and it's basically what you're saying that now i can't just go giving him advice telling him what to do i got to now have a relationship on his terms okay i'm here if you need me you know but i can't make you do anything and i can't make your decisions for you um but that is great advice i love that now we're getting ready um getting close to the man up questions rick but i got a very heavy question for you because i wanted this to be one of the last questions before the man up questions um, because um, you haven't been prepared for this question, but All it's right. a reality that we have to face um, as fathers and as ministry leaders and as um, just as adults. But I know a lot of young people think that our religious views as the older older generation is kind of out of touch with their reality as what they live in today, especially when it comes to same sex attraction and same sex marriages and homosexuality and gender roles. In your opinion, and I couldn't wait to have you on the show because I wanted to talk to you about it because you had so much exposure and experience working with young people. How should we as um, adults respond to our children when it comes to these sensitive topics in a way that draws them closer to the faith instead of pushing them farther away from it, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's it's really interesting uh, how much this is you know these type of questions come up, especially with teenagers and and you know with pornography and everything being so accessible. When I'm out ministering to with to teenagers and high school, middle school kids, college age folks, 
it's amazing to me that the young people will come up to me and say, I haven't told anybody, but I think I'm gay or I'm gay. I, you know, I'm looking at porn and, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, um, once again, it may sound like a really simple answer, but everything to me goes back to scripture. And I've had to take some some teenagers back to scripture and just say, you know what, this you think what you want. You can think that we need to be, you know, more tolerant, you know, and and I'm not, and and um, and you know, and I and I love everybody, you know, if no matter if they're in church or not, or if they're involved in something that. The Lord considers sinful is as, as, as I love them and I and when I would I try to walk them back to God through you know through love and through biblical principles, but um, that's what we need to do is we just have to take them back to the Word of God and to say this is what the culture says and this is what people are teaching, but this is really what God says. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said to some young people a while back that you know when you look at um, the Bible, I mean, it comes down to. Uh, just a few big nuggets if you wanted to, to explain the gospel but one of them is that we're the bride and he's the groom mm-hmm. and that is a that is a there's a there's a marriage between us that's that he's coming for a bride not for it's not a groom coming for another groom mm-hmm. it's a groom coming for a bride and and honestly i um I have a lot of sympathy and um, and a lot of compassion for people that are struggling with with sexual issues but um but it's this is a biblical principle, and uh, and the, God meant for men and women to be together. And it's a, it's a it's a sometimes it's tough for people to hear, and they're not sure what to do with it. But um, we just have to take them back to biblical truth, and then love them through it, and then continue to to answer their questions for them. You know, and in in full disclosure too, um, my daughter goes to. Uh, a high school of uh, creative arts. You know, there's singers, dancers, actors, and everything. She um, had to apply to get into this this school because she loves to sing. Right. And um, I asked her one day because you know I kind of do disciple making with her in the car. We go we go through devotionals and that kind of stuff. But I'm always having real conversation with my daughter, and she's 16. Um, and I asked her one day. I said, Faith. Um, I said, because um, there's a lot of um. Uh, kids who think they're homosexual in her school and they they're in that and the school tolerates it because that's why a lot of kids want to be in that school because they don't there's no bullying and all this other stuff but i told her to take a guesstimate and she says that about 60 percent of the kids in her school are either confused about their gender um or they declare themselves as being um gay and so we've had to be thrown into the deep end as as parents, because my daughter has a lot of sleepovers here with her friends and everything. And just like you said, Rick, um, we stand on the word of God. But at the same time, we show them the love of Christ. Right. And all we can do is we don't treat them any differently when they come to our house and we just we share our love with them. And for the most part, they love coming over here. And but I know that for that's not the typical response that um, a lot of adults have to kids that way they want to preach to kids and we don't preach in, um, to them. We demonstrate our love actively and we, we we invite them to go to church with us, whether they want, you know, if they don't want to, we it's OK. But we don't hide our faith just because they've chosen a different path. So I just wanted to know, based on your experience from uh, I, it's got to be a touchy subject. Um, why kids want to use that as an excuse or why they don't they're leaving the faith because they think we're intolerant or they think we're bigoted. I hate when that comes up that they think there's something wrong with us because we're not accepting of that. 
And so I just didn't know if you experienced that a lot or does that come up a lot as you guys travel all over the country? And, is that, and also, Rick, is that something just a, an issue in our country or do you see that with youth in other countries as well? Oh, man, I see it in other countries. Really? I've been in different parts of Russia and Siberia. I travel to South America a lot. Oh, yeah, the, um, the sexuality and the gay pride marches and things mm-hmm. like that. There's stuff that's happening in some countries in South America that's, I think, is, is what they do publicly, publicly has even been worse than what I've seen in the United States. But I, I believe it's something that's part of a it's 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 a spirit out there as a spirit. It is. It's very deceptive. It's very dark. And and of course, our media and different yeah. things. Our culture promotes it and says that it's okay, which which I believe is just it's just causing so much mass confusion. Um, and I believe it's really a, t- a tool of of Satan to really destroy some people's lives. And um, I think it's great that you guys that that you and your family that you guys love on people no matter where they're at. And that's one thing that they can't they can't refuse or, or say that we haven't done. And you know, I tell people this a lot. I say, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for over. 30 years, and I hear different Christians and different people talking about, you know, that the Christians need to stop the hate. And I said, you know what? I've lived in Tennessee. I've lived in Colorado. I've lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've lived in Ohio. I've lived in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I've never met a Christian that hated a gay person. Mm-hmm. Now, they might be confused. They might not know what to say. Right. But I've never met, I've never met a fellow believer that hated a, a person because of their sexuality. And um, I think it's up to us as the body of Christ to to be loving them. When I worked at Focus on the Family, there was a department there that was called Love One Out. It was helping parents and families to love people out of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's a powerful ministry. And that's what we have to do is we have to just love them out. Yeah, there, there's no easy answer to all of this. Like you said, I believe it is a, a spirit that we have to deal with and we have to come to grips with. I think the worst thing we can do um, as men, as fathers, as husbands, is to ignore this reality. Um, it's in our face and we have to deal with it. And my wife and I, we discussed it even beforehand, of even letting our daughter go to that school. Because we know we have a strong relationship with our daughter, so we didn't have any fear of anything happening to her. But we also know that she's watching how we respond to them. Mm, and so, right. so we're discipling um, her through our example. And so I, I knew that was a tough question, but it's just something that we got to deal with. We have to face that reality. And Rick, um, this is great because now it's perfect time that I can transition to the man up question. So we can get off this heavy topic and <laughs> get this up a little lighter. But the man up set, um, section of our portion of our show, all we do is ask you five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. Um, and all they require is your, your fearless honesty, which I think you won't have a problem with at all. So the question is, Rick, are you ready, man? I am ready. <laughs> well, fantastic. And we'll be right back after this short break talk with my guest, Rick Mills. If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. 
So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Welcome back, Mighty Men of God. I'm here with my guest, Rick Mills, who is the International Director of Fuel Youth Ministry Specialist, as well as an author and a grandparent of seven kids. I'm going to always keep saying that, Rick. Seven kids. <laughs> I can't wait to be a grandparent. I'm so I'm so excited. I can't wait. I've been telling my son about when he was like, I started telling my son when he was probably in elementary school, I can't wait to be a grandparent. That's what I kept telling him. <laughs> I have people tell me for years, and I'm telling you, being a grandparent is like the greatest thing in the world. It is. Is, man, I'm telling you. But anyway, I, I digress. But let's get back to the man of questions, man. And Rick, I'm going to ask you the first question. It starts with letter M and it stands for mistake. Now, we know that you are one of the country's leading experts when it comes to youth leadership and youth ministry. But what was the biggest mistake that you learned from as a youth ministry leader, leading the youth? I would say as far as a ministry leader was I made the mistake for many, many years of not recognizing that they have a call on their life and they can do great things while they're in middle school and high school. But I would say the the big mistake that I made while I while I was doing ministry as a dad as a as a husband was there were times like many of us I put ministry or I put work in front of my family and there were times that I had to really backtrack and kind of keep things on focus. But I allowed my wife and my daughters, who who and my daughters would mention it to me too. Dad, sometimes it seems like the, the ministry is more important than us for the last few months. Right. You know, and, and, I, and I thought they could say that to me. You know, and Rick, I would think that's got to be tough uh, being a youth leader when you have youth, <laughs> you know, right. in your home with you, because they're seeing you having all this fun with other people's children. <laughs> Dad, we want some of your time. So, but I'm glad you shared it with us. Um, that that's a. a a very honest response, man, because I know that can be tough on, on young people and our children when they see ministries have a little bit more of a priority than they do. You know, I can't tell you how many times my my daughter would come in to the office. So you're going to be in your office um, the rest of the night. You're not going to come in and have dinner with us. And I don't know if my wife sends her in here to say that or <laughs> whatever, but it works every single time because I feel so bad. But um, now, Rick, the A stands for attitude. And you work with a lot of parents and you work with a lot of youth leaders. If you could change one attitude um, in men and parents and leaders who work with youth, what would that attitude be? I would say it would be t- time and consistency. Mm-hmm. Be, be, be consistent with your family as far as spending time with them. And I know there's times you have, you know, there's the bosses on you. You got to work a couple more hours. There's there's seasons of that. Mm-hmm. But be cons- being consistent uh, with time and just experiencing life together, being real, being real with your with your kids as you disciple them would be the attitude I'd love to see change. You know, and Rick, we I think we underestimate the power of consistency because I know I have men when I'm working with them, with if I'm either I'm discipling, mentor, or coaching them, and they all complain about something that's happening either with their wife or with their kids, and and they say, "But Joe, but I'm doing this, and it's not making a difference, and it's not working." And then I always stop them in their tracks and say, "How long have you been doing it?" Because right. they're thinking it's a one-time, one-time shot. <laughs> I, do it. I, I told her I love her. Isn't that enough? <laughs> you know, but are you doing it on a consistent basis? So I think we kind of underestimate the power of consistency. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, I can't wait to hear this answer from you, man. The N stands for next. 
And if anybody goes to your website, they'll see all the great things that you and your organization are doing with youth all over the world. But what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Well, my answer might be pretty simple. And that is, um, I just want to go more places and do more things to to advance the kingdom. I am... uh, just always kind of extending my faith and and challenging myself to really to trust God and to believe God to do more through me so that I can finish the job well. Well done for him. And so you don't have any plans on say I'm going to I'm going to cut this thing off at such and such age. You have you just going to keep going as long as God allows you to do it. I, you know what? I want to keep going, not because I'm just passionate about it, mm-hmm. but I see the churches. And like I said, I've been to, to Moscow. I've been, in, I've been, I've done events in Cuba. I've done parts in, in youth events in Jamaica, and the church at large is experiencing the same thing globally. And that's our young people don't have a purpose in God. They don't have. They don't feel valued by the church, and they're we're losing this young generation by in the droves and. So so I'm I'm driven by helping churches and youth pastors and parents to really reach young people mm-hmm. because when when I go and we do what we do we give them a solid plan and they love it and they start doing it and the fruit is almost in, in, instantaneous and I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can imagine that's got to uh, make you feel good when you can see the fruit of your labor. You know, now the next question starts with letter U and it's for understand. And I'm not going to focus it on youth ministry, Rick. I'm going to focus it more on you personally as a man. Uh, when you were younger, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you understand better now? Well, like I said, I, I and I was raised with raised with great parents. I mean, you know, if we we cheated at school or we told a lie. I mean, you know, we, we were going to get it, you know, so. So but uh, but being in church was was a di- was different for was it set me on a, di- on a obviously on a different path mm-hmm. but um i would say that having having wisdom to to change change people's destinies to change that i knew that i had the uh, the wisdom to change the to, to change the destinies of my kids i just didn't know that god could really use me um like he has done i come from a really small town a really small 110 kids graduated my senior class i just didn't know that that god could really use somebody that honestly that I used to pray, Lord, please don't ever send me into full-time ministry because I, I can. I always joke and say because I can't afford the pay cut. But, <laughs> but just really, I didn't know that God would really use someone like me, and and uh, it's really been humbling and just really mind blowing. Yeah, and, I, and I can, sometimes I, I marvel at it when I sit back and I watch, and when you hear someone, especially in another country, who tells you how much you've impacted their life, and you're like, what? I, you know, but. God wants us to know it's not about us. It's what he can do through us. Now, and Rick, I want to, the last question is P and it starts, stands for problem. And as a mighty man of God, which you are, what's the one problem in your life that you still struggle with as a man, even today? Well, this might seem interesting after my last answer, but it's doubt. Sometimes I still, I, I still doubt myself and, and I question things. And so I have to, something that I have to really stay on top of. And, and then also with, um, um, also just sometimes even with self-esteem mm-hmm. is, um, and I have to, I have to watch my self-talk 
my mind is always going 90 miles an hour like a lot of like a lot of men out there and i have to watch myself talk if i do something wrong i i feel guilty for too long and and then i start to doubt myself and it kind of it can be really kind of a downward spiral so i have to really catch myself with doubting and i have to de- catch myself um, doubting who i am in christ and um, and I have to catch myself in that. And when I and when I um, and when I catch myself, then I take those caps thought to, thought mm. of cap take those those thoughts captive, and I trap them, and I try not to let them grow. You know, now Rick, with the success that you've had um, with in ministry and touching people's lives, especially young people, making an impact, raising up leaders, discipling them, what do you think that doubt and um, fear comes from? Well, I believe that, honestly, I believe a lot of times fear comes from our enemy. I believe that um, sometimes things just get whispered in our ear. And then a lot of times I believe that fear and doubt comes from, you know, we can ask ourselves, wow, I've seen God do this for so-and-so when they couldn't make their house payment or they needed a new car or their child was really sick. But this didn't happen for me. Right. And so then we can we can become we kind of become self consumed, mm-hmm. and 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 then we forget that we forget or we kind of put it in the back burner that Jesus Christ knows everything about us and that He's for us, and that He will come through for us no matter what our circumstances are, how we look for other at um, the circumstances of, of others. We can. Um, you know, Jesus Christ did everything that we will ever need on the cross for us. And so I have to remind myself of, of that. That it keeps me from fear and doubt. No, great job, Rick. That was awesome. Um, you, thank you for being so transparent and honest and vulnerable with us. And you did a wonderful job in answering the man of questions. So I really appreciate that. And, and men, we've come to the end of our show today. But don't you worry, we'll be back to do it again next week with a new guest, new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. But I'd like to thank my guest, Rick Mills, for joining us today and for being so gracious with this time. Rick, this was well worth the wait, man. Thank you so much for um, being on our show today, man. It has been really my pleasure and my honor. And uh, boy, I'm gonna, I pray for the men that are listening to this. I pray that they have uh, really gleaned some wisdom uh, from what we've discussed today. Our jobs as dads and, and as um, husbands, it's tough, but it's really rewarding. And, and um, I just pray that they have some great fruitful uh, lives with their kids and, and, and with their families. Yeah, and Rick, you said that you hope that they gain some wisdom from today. I know I did. <laughs> so uh, so I'm thanking God for that. But Rick, quickly, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and your ministry and what you're on, what you're working on, how can they contact you? What would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure, they can send me an email. Uh, my book is a big turnover. And so they can reach me at rick at bigturnover.com. They can also find our website, bigturnover.com. And that's a great way that they can get in touch with us. They can send us an email. They'll find our phone number there uh, on our website. They can call us. But we'd love to connect with dads, love to connect with some church leaders out there, and to assist them in any way that we can. All right. So that's Rick at BigTurnover.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. All right. And Rick, what we'll do is we'll put that in the show notes as well. So they'll always have um, a way to link and contact you. 
And so we appreciate it. Thanks for sharing that. And also, guys, for those out there listening, please do us a favor. And this is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. Guys, you've made us number one um, on iTunes for um, Christian Men um, Podcast. And we appreciate that. So please don't keep us a secret. Keep sharing us with your friends. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man that God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed. And as always, you know, stay in God's grip. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.